0: Welcome into the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. And this week we're joined by Dan Davies. He's the Senior Associate AD for Internal Operations at Montana State, but also a lifelong Bobcat. Dan played on the 1976 National Championship team at Montana State, coached on the 1984 National Championship team, and has been on the radio for as long as I can remember calling Bobcat games. Dan, thanks so much for being with us this week.
1: You're welcome, guys. It's it's my pleasure to visit with you today.
0: Montana State is in the midst of a historic run, especially when you talk about the modern generation. The Bobcats have been good since the turn of the 21st century, been to the playoffs multiple times, but this is the first true playoff run Montana State has been on since that 1984 run to the national title. The Bobcats are into the Final Four of the FCS playoffs. They play their semifinal game Saturday at number 1 North Dakota State, First time Montana State has been as far as the semis since 1984. But, Dan, you've been a part of and next to Bobcat programs that have gone through all sorts of things, the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, and everything in between. So just put this in perspective for us. I mean, from the time when you were a player playing for Sonny Holland all the way through now uh, covering these guys under Jeff Choate, what's just the arc of this whole thing been like for you to follow?
1: Yeah, it's it's been an amazing run. There's no no doubt about it. Full disclosure, though, fellas, I was a, a scout team, quote unquote, all American in 1976. Right? <laughs> I, 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 that, that that was my role. Uh, and and I, don't, I don't want anybody to think anything different than that because there was some great players on that team, and and I got banged around uh, by them a lot uh, from those guys. But yeah, that, no no question, that was a special year, and it uh, things things lined up right and you have to be in the right place at the right time but when your numbers called you have got to be able to perform and that that was no different than in 1984 either and uh, now the Bobcat's numbers getting called again on Saturday in Fargo so they're going to be called upon to, bond to uh, rise, rise to that challenge and it's a big challenge in in Fargo as you you guys know uh, the, the dominance that program has had for over a decade and, and beyond. But um, the fact that the Bobcats were there last year, uh, they're with their eyes wide, I think they're going to be more focused and understand what the situation is there. They're going to know where the, you know, the locker room is. They know where the press box is. They know what their sideline is. They know what the noise level is going to be like. Uh, I think they're going to be more focused and more prepared as they walk in there on Saturday afternoon.
0: Well, T.S. Davis had some... Very distinct characters as as its head coach for all, the entire Big Sky Conference era. Quite honestly, when you talk about Jim Sweeney, Sonny Holland, Sonny Lubick, you know Dave Arnold up through Cliff Heisel and Mike Kramer and Rob Ash and now Jeff Choate. But Coach Choate, when he first took the job, he proclaimed his vision for the program the very first day, and he laid it all out there. And he's talked about it week by week, honestly, throughout the last four years. You know, we're we're going to rebuild this thing. We, we might lose big at first, but then we're going to lose close, then we're going to win close, and then we're going to win big. And to watch the program develop and evolve and blossom like it has, it's been stark and it's been amazing because when you talk about somebody that ha- does speak like Coach Cho to pr- proclaim all these things and then make them come to reality, quite impressive. But from your eyes, Dan, when he, Jeff Cho was first hired, what did you think of the hire? And, and now that he has brought his vision to fruition – I mean, how impressive has this been?
1: No, no question about um, how impressed I am with how this thing has come together. But you're right, Coulter. He had a plan, and and I, I am impressed. You know, not only year by year, but week by week, but day by day, how he, he has planned this thing out. He he came in with a plan. He's executed the plan, but. It's one thing to have a plan. Then you've got to execute it not only with your staff, you know, administratively, and and also then with your players. But um, he he spends a lot of time. I know he does thinking about things, and and you can't think about tomorrow. You've got to think about tomorrow. You've got to think about next week, next month, next year, and, and, and the next season. So he, he has been a master at that, and I've been so impressed with the planning process and the thought process he puts in. To this program and where he's got it to today,
2: Dan Davies joining us on the ESPN Roundtable. He's the senior associate AD for Internal Operations at Montana State University. And Dan, when you talk about Jeff Choate on this past Friday night after the the, the final gun sounds against Austin P, he was as excited as I think I've seen him, maybe barring uh, one or two of the 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 Cat Grizz games, but really even those were rivaled in terms of his. Outward elation, and he was even a little bit emotional in the press conference afterwards. did you see that, and when you look at him and still in the midst of a playoff run, I mean they still think that that you know there 's obviously uh, everything out there in front of them. What did you take away from just his reaction to beating Austin P and getting this team into the semifinals
1: well, well ryan it's it 's interesting because uh, I get the opportunity to to talk with him uh, on the air after the game, depending on the situation but with the ncaa playoffs the losing coach goes first and because of a cooling off period and so forth and their players so it's it's interesting we went out in the field everybody celebrating everybody had a good time and then they're out celebrating so he he's go back in the team house and he's sitting there by himself and uh, so i'm communicating with the with the broadcast team on what they're going to do and he we wanted to wait for the big conference in there and kind of running out of time so I walked in I said coach you want to do this now and he's just sitting there by himself he goes yeah I mean he was just kind of taking it all in he'd had some time to to reflect on you know what what occurred there for the previous you know three and a half hours and uh, I'm so impressed with not he was you could tell he was excited but he was calm and he was already into the next phase on all right you want you want to enjoy this but He's already thinking about next week and what, what the prospects look like and whether we're going to be at home or back in Fargo. Uh, it, it's, it's just amazing uh, what those coaches go through, the highs and the lows. They've got to be excited, and then they go, all right, we've got to get going again and, and start focusing on what we have to do next. So that, that, it's an interesting process to, to watch him go through that.
0: When it comes to your time as a player, regardless of, of the level you might have remembered yourself playing at, Dan, I know that you had an up closer <laughs> personal view of, of uh, one of the greatest coaches in the history of not only Montana State, but the Big Sky Conference in Sonny Holland. And, uh, but I want to ask you just comparing and contrasting, what are some of the biggest differences, it, not only in, at Montana State, but in the Big Sky Conference and in college football from back in the 1970s?
1: well culture has has changed um, not only once but twice or something maybe even three times on on how you 're able to coach kids uh, in this day right. and age um, so I think that's probably the biggest the biggest factor um, there you know back back in those days um, you, you know it's you you run through the wall for the coach and and now, now it's more like, why would we want to run through the wall? Why would we want to do that? A player would ask a coach uh, in this situation. So, there's been a, I think, a, a huge uh, adjustment, you know, from a coaching standpoint on on how you motivate kids. And um, I, I'd say this a, a lot about Coach Choate. He can coach them hard this day and age that a lot of coaches can't, and gets results because he respects those kids. He understands the kids. And still, these kids will, uh, quote unquote, run through the wall for him. Sonny Holland is one of those type of guys that he didn't raise his voice very often, and he almost a lot of times had a, a calm demeanor in the in the pregame pep talk for the players. But that last sentence coming out of his mouth, "Let's go out there," whatever it was, I can't remember. And he it, it people would, would be you know. Peeling the paint off the walls, that's how exciting people were to get out on the field after a pregame speech with Sonny Holland.
2: Have you ever searched for your team on television and they're nowhere to be found? Paradise Falls has you covered. Paradise Falls has 30 TVs with ESPN3, giving them the capability to broadcast every single game you can imagine. Paradise Falls has 18 draft beers, a brand new menu, and a variety of delicious food to choose from. Paradise Falls opens 7 a.m. until midnight and located at 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. No matter who you follow, FBS or FCS, any team, anywhere, you can watch In Paradise at Paradise Falls.
0: The evolution of the program after Coach Holland stepped away and became the athletic director, take us through all that because I think it's such an interesting history. I mean, I know that Sonny Lubick was there for just a brief moment in time and controversially, honestly, probably let go, but then reemerged as the defensive coordinator on Dennis Erickson's staff at Miami, but then uh, as the head coach of Colorado State. I mean, the, the stadium is named after him at Colorado State. That's how much success he had there. Um, but then Dave Arnold takes over, and with a ton of Sonny Lubick recruits in, and then a ton of recruits of his own as well, takes Montana State on the magical run to the 84 National Championship. But that time period from 78 through 83, what was Bobcat football like at that time?
1: Yeah, it, it was it was really interesting from the standpoint. And I need to correct you, uh, Colter, Sonny, Sonny Holland became the alumni director. He right, was right, the athletic right, right. director here. But nonetheless, so it, it went, you know, there were offense and defensive coordinator were both in line. I, I believe that time for the head coaching It was Don Christensen was the offensive coordinator. Sonny Lubick was the defensive coordinator. And, uh, the decision was made to go with Sonny Holland or Sonny Lubick, uh, to take over the program. And so that was in 19th. That was after the 77 season and in 78, uh, you know, Sonny Lubick won the big sky championship. And, uh, I mean it was it was a tie situation I believe but so he was here 78 or 77 78 and 79 80 and 81 and then a uh, decision was made to to change and then Doug Graber came in in 1982 as the head coach he was the defensive coordinator at the University of Wisconsin was here for one year and we went I was on that staff as well and we went uh, 6 and 5 that year and uh, he got the opportunity to go to the Kansas City Chiefs as the secondary coach, and then once once again internal hire Dave Arnold was was elevated to the for the head coach, and uh, one one thing that, that happened that in 1982 over in Missoula we got embarrassed by the Grizzlies, and uh, that that taste. Was in Coach Arnold's mouth and and the rest of the coaching staff as well for a, for a long time and he focused from that day he got the job to beating the Grizzlies and uh, that's what happened in 1983 and unfortunately that was the only game that Montana State won and uh, so then that March the, then the March for the 1984 season started after that so and uh, to you know to go to one and ten to national championships one year was that you know it was the miracle year. Dan Davies joining us. He's the
2: Senior Associate Athletic Director for Internal Operations at Montana State here on the ESPN Roundtable. And yeah, I mean, what an unbelievable swing to go from a one-win team in 83 to a national champion in 84. I doubt anything like that. You could find uh, across college football, but that eighty four team was something else. I mean, there were some characters on that team, and you find yourself, you know, a young uh, position coach, wide receiver coach on that team. What do you remember about some of the guys that you, you know, that were on that team and some of the ways that they went about it? Because it was a legendary club, not just because of what they accomplished, but because of of who they were and some of the characters that were there.
1: Well, at one point, we were two and two. Uh, we, we played at uh, Eastern Washington in Joe Albee stadium there in Spokane. We ran up and down the field and, uh, ended up, ended up losing by five points. We missed two field goals inside the 30 yard line and, uh, really performed well offensively. but just couldn't, didn't get it done. And we lost to Idaho state here in Bozeman and we played horribly on offense, and I remember our offensive coordinator Bill Diedrich, said we're not even going to show the film to the kids. We we graded it and then flushed it on Sunday and and uh, moved on to the next week. And and that's that's kind of where the run started. I believe we went to Weber the next week. But uh, and, and then it, there was a, a couple uh, miracle games. Uh, Boise State uh, comes to mind. We were down there and. And uh, Jesse Jones runs a screen pass for 80 yards, breaks about five tackles, tiptoes along the sideline, and then, of course, Northern or excuse me, um, Nevada Reno. We uh, that game goes to four overtime. So any any time any of the, those overtime you know plays that go wrong, you don't get that win. So a lot of things lined up right. Uh, we scored, I could say, uh, deep into the overtime series there, and. Then just kind of th- snowballed, uh, but you have to. When you talk about that team, you've got to talk about the captains uh, of that group: Joe Bignell, Joe Robertson, Mark Fellows, all three Montana guys uh, that were recruited by Sonny Lubick's uh, staff. There, with we had Mick Delaney on that staff, we had Mick Dennehy on that staff. Uh, so there's a lot of Montana blood uh, on that staff, as well as Cliff Heisel and. Uh, a number of other guys. So, uh those those three guys, you know, led led the team week in and week out and then sophomore quarterback Kelly Bradley uh was a winner uh from from day 1 and had a bunch of good receivers to throw to and you know a couple all American offensive linemen and it just goes on and on. Um that the defense in 1983 was good, but 1984 was spectacular. And uh, kept us Bobcats, you know, in, in a lot of a lot of games. And uh, you know, you got Cleet Linebarger and Doug Kimball in the secondary, and a couple other Montana kids, the Timmer brothers from Boulder. Uh, it just goes on and on. Lonnie Berth, the nose guard from Helena, uh, was uh, a phenomenal defensive lineman that uh, it took two guys to block every time. I, it, I could go on for, for hours talking about all these kids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, We love hearing the old stories. I remember when I did an oral history on 1984 Cats when it was the 30th anniversary of the national championship, and I talked to Mark Fellows, who was an All-American and one of the great pass rushers in the country uh, his senior year in 1984, but he talked about the previous year and just some of the close losses and how disheartening that season was, but also... Just the motivating factor, and I, you know, it is a crazy story to go from a two-win team to a national champion, and then have a losing record the next year as well. But how much do you think that nineteen eighty-three season and the disappointments of it played into the motivation and the mentality of that eighty-four team?
1: I think it played a big factor, Coulter. Um, Like I say, we were pretty darn good on defense, and we just could couldn't get any rhythm or get anything going on, on offense, even though we had some good players. But sometimes things just don't click and uh but the, the the 84 team was based around the defense until the offense caught up and got going and and then it was you know nearly unstoppable you've probably heard the story about the you know the fresno game we were down 24 to 7 i believe in the third quarter that was coached by jim sweeney cliff heisel was an assistant on that staff kevin sweeney was the quarterback and I honestly do remember, remember this distinctly that in the second half, the Fresno coaches took their headsets off thinking it was over. And then Kelly Bradley went to work with Joe Bignell, Tommy White, Brent Bateman, uh, Kelly Davis, uh, David Pant, Timmy Clemens, and uh, just marched up and down the field. And when it, things did not look good in the middle of the third quarter, and those guys just would not quit. Bill Diedrich, the offensive coordinator, called a great game there in the fourth quarter, and uh, we ended up winning that, I think, 35-31 to at the very end. I can still see Joe Bignell dragging two guys across the goal line for that last touchdown.
2: Dan Davies joining us. He's a former player, former coach, and current senior associate athletic director at Montana State University. And, Dan, one thing that uh, you know, a lot has changed surrounding football and in general over the years, over the decades. But one thing that seems pretty consistent is to go on a big playoff run and maybe a national championship run. You need a little magic on your team and something to happen, some some things to happen over the course of a year and a playoff. What parallels do you see between what happened in 1984 and what's happening right now with this Montana State team?
1: Well, I, I would think that Coach Choate, is saying that his team is built around the defense, too, and that's a real similarity, I think, with 1984. And as the second half of the season here has progressed this year, the offense is starting to catch up and has caught up. And uh, being able to run the football uh, has has been a, a huge part of the success, but Tucker Roeve coming in, into his own here the second half of the season uh, has really improved his uh, efficiency and i think you can see his confidence and the players confidence in him uh, increase uh, particularly here uh, with, with not only with the university of montana game and then uh, the two playoff games so far so he's been he's been in the fargo dome and has, understands what that's like so uh, the bobcats are going to have to have a good production from him next week or here on uh, saturday in fargo the
0: the reemergence of Montana State as a national uh, a program of national repute has been a very interesting history because after that 1984 national championship there was no no real hardest momentum. Instead, it was just kind of went into a a portion of being competitive and but not necessarily elite on the Big Sky Conference or national level for 15 16 years. And then when Mike Kramer came in, he sort of laid the foundation that then culminated in snapping the streak, beating the Grizz. Rob Ash took a lot of that momentum. Uh, And then won three straight Big Sky titles. And Montana State's been building, building, building. But, Dan, in your mind, what's been the key for the program as a whole? Because there was sort of a dormant period, which I know was probably hard for a lot of you guys that were working at Montana State to go through. But then the fact that it has turned the corner and incrementally gotten better and now explodes into a Final Four and semifinal berth. What have been the keys to the reemergence of the Bobcat football program?
1: Well, I think you go back even, you know, to the Mike Kramer era as as head coach here. Uh, when he took it over, it was it, the program was uh, fairly fairly low from the standpoint of uh, attendance and, and that type of thing. He he really generated the enthusiasm and uh, got the crowd back into the things and and made it fun. Uh, also, you know, support from the administration and, and the community. Uh, as the Bobcats, I mean, I, I can remember uh, back when uh, Mike Kramer was here. We were 0 and 11. And he was talking about Chattanooga, the national championship site. Uh, he, he had that in his mind and and tried. He was convincing people that, that that was our that was the goal and uh, never got there. But the, the the target was on the wall, so to speak. And then the our attendance started going and the tailgating got going. The fans got into it. The community, the university, and it's really, you know, we did, did the end zone project, and uh, that really kind of got the momentum going again, I think, and, and then when you get have some success on the field as well, uh, it just has, has kind of snowballed, and it's all about, you know, being in the right place at the right time uh, when programs get turned around, and you, you look all the way back, you know, to Don Reed at the University of Montana, jumps in there and takes over with the, with the new stadium his second year, and... Or maybe it was his first year, and they, did, they haven't looked back. So it's uh, a number of factors that have to come together. And if it was an exact science, you could write a book and get, get rich. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but uh, it, takes, it takes vision and determination and, and someone that's believable. And, you know, right now, Coach Choate's in that seat and, and doing a marvelous job.
0: Do you want $3 beers? You're
2: crazy! Of
0: course you do. Who doesn't want a $3 beer? For $3 micro brews and much more, come check out one of the best late happy hours in town at Paradise Falls. Sunday through Thursday from 9 p.m. until 11, Paradise has $3 micro brews along with $6 apps, $2 domestics, and much more. If you're on the move for an evening cocktail, come to 3621 Brook Street Sunday through Thursday 9 until 11 to enjoy the best late happy hour in town at Paradise Falls. I'm not crazy. I'm just thirsty.
2: Dan, I'm going to ask you now to uh, put your analyst hat on. I know that you've been calling games a long time. You know this program and this history as well as not better than anybody. Last year uh, didn't go very well for Montana State in their playoff game against the Bison. Also a measuring stick game. And as Jeff Choate said earlier this week, uh, they've seen the elephant, as it were, going back to Fargo. What do you expect to happen on Saturday?
1: Well, I... I think, think it's going to be a, a situation like I have kind of already uh, elaborated on, that it, it's not going to be a, a, an awe situation where they're going in there and saying, wow, wow, wow. I think it's going to be more business-like, more workman-like uh, focus, and uh, going in and, and 11 guys. They can only play 11 guys, and we're going to have 11 guys out there, and it's going to be uh, – I've talked about this earlier in the week as well, but you've got two um, coaches, uh, Coach Coach Anson and Coach Chote. They uh, they live and breathe that line of scrimmage, whether it's offensive line or defensive line. They they think you have to win that game and win win that battle at on the line of scrimmage, and and they both believe that they they wear that on their sleeve, and I expect a, a physical game and uh, kind of kind of a war of wills, so to speak, and, and whoever's going to win that line of scrimmage is going to have the best opportunity, I think, to win this game, barring a bunch of goofy turnovers or a bunch of penalties or that type of thing. But it's going to be in the trenches where uh, things are going to happen, and whoever's going to win that uh, part of the game is going to have a, have a chance to win the game.
2: Well, Dan, we certainly appreciate you being with us here on the roundtable, and uh, enjoy it on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Yeah, you're more than welcome. And another little tidbit is uh, I've talked. We had a 35 year reunion here with the '84 team this fall uh, with the NAU game here, and and there was a bunch of guys back, and uh, they they. It's so impressive, and uh, it, it makes me smile every time those guys get together because that's a special group. I talked to a guy yesterday that has already bought tickets to Frisco, uh, has a hotel room, and I know they were talking about it. A bunch of them were here last week that uh, if things line up right, there's going to be a bunch of those 84 guys, and I know 76 guys, in Frisco. That's phenomenal. Got to love it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be a great uh, – Battle in Fargo on Saturday. Do you
0: want $3 beers? You're crazy! Of course you do. Who doesn't want a $3 beer? For $3 micro brews and much more, come check out one of the best late happy hours in town at Paradise Falls. Sunday through Thursday from 9 p.m. until 11, Paradise has $3 micro brews along with $6 apps, $2 domestics, and much more. If you're on the mood for an evening cocktail, come to 3621 Brook Street Sunday through Thursday, 9 until 11, to enjoy the best late happy hour in town at Paradise Falls. I'm not crazy, I'm just thirsty.